Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello, friends, and thank you for joining me, Pastor Visser, for this Wednesday evening's look at Moab and Ammon. Now, technically, this evening's study will be a look at the book of Zephaniah, more specifically, the second chapter. But before we get to the judgment that is pronounced against Moab and Ammon, I feel it necessary to provide you a background into why it is that Yahweh God would forever curse these two specific tribes and how these two tribes came into being. Because we can read in the second epistle of Peter a very damning statement beginning in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 12. These, as natural brute beasts, meant to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, Beguiling unstable souls, in heart they have exercised with covetous practices. Cursed children, pay close attention, verse 15 in Second Peter chapter 2, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Besor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass, speaking with a man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. Now, stopping right there, I'm sure you're well familiar that this is dealing with something called the way of Balaam. And how does Balaam tie into this evening's topic, Moab and Ammon? Well, bear with me, and I'll prove to you why it is that Yahweh God would condemn both Moab and Ammon And how it ties into this, the quote-unquote way of Balaam. Now, Balaam was the son of Besor. He loved the wages of unrighteousness. In short, Balaam was a Mesopotamian soothsayer. And how does he tie into today's study? Well, stay with me. But this sentiment about the way of Balaam is also mirrored in the general epistle of Jude, verse 11 where he says this, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward. 
and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, and plucked up by the roots. So here we are instructed that there is something called the error of Balaam, just like Peter says in his epistle, that there is a way of Balaam. Now, how can we avoid this way of Balaam? The first key of knowing who Balaam was and who commissioned him is to study, of course, the text. But numerous times in the New Testament, we are told to withstand this way of Balaam or this error of Balaam. So how does this all tie together? Well, the first key, of course, would be to figure out who commissioned Balaam and exactly why that was. But before we get to that, I want to prove to you how Moab and Ammon came into being as tribes. And most of us are familiar with the account of Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, most of us know that it was just Lot who was spared, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. In fact, it is Peter in his second epistle who mentions that. It is also Jude, or Judas, the brother of Christ, who taught no different. So, many of us are familiar with the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, most of us know that it was Yahweh God himself who set his sights upon the city of Sodom, and was going to destroy it. But it was Abraham who made intercession for Lot on the plains of Mamre. And I'm sure you're familiar with this exchange. He would ask Yahweh, God, will you not spare the city for the sake of ten, the sake of fifty, the sake of a hundred, etc.? And Yahweh, God, in short, basically assured Abraham that he would spare the city of Sodom for one. Meaning that there was not one righteous soul within that township of Sodom. Even though Yahweh God kept his word and spared Lot and his two daughters. Well, this is where the two tribes Moab and Ammon came from. Because if you recall, those two angels that descended on Sodom had to literally take Lot and his family by their hand and take them out of the city before Yahweh God rained fire upon that city of ungrateful sodomites. And Lot, his wife, and his two daughters were instructed to not look back. But yet, Lot's wife did so, did she not? Resulting in Jesus Christ's shortest commandment ever, which is, remember Lot's wife. Why should we remember Lot's wife? Well, because she looked back to where her heart was. And when Yahweh God instructs you to not look back to what manner of man you once were, my advice is hearken unto it. Because that's exactly what happened to Lot's wife. She turned into a pillar of salt. And so, picking it up in the book of Genesis chapter 19, verse 26, we read, But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Whose wife? Lot's wife. And so here it is, Lot's wife being burned up into ash, and Lot finding himself within the side of a cave, with no one but his two 
daughters. For example, skipping down to verse 30 here in Genesis chapter 19. Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zoar and dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. So do you understand what's being said? That's all that was left, Lot and his two daughters. And as a result of not looking back to the destruction of Sodom, well, he found himself alone in a cave with his two daughters. Verse 31. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve the seed of our father. So what are we dealing with here in Genesis chapter 19? An account of incest. And beware the man who's going to come in and tell you that God himself approves of incest. The only way they can make that claim is being unfamiliar with the creation account. But be that as that's a study for another day. What we're looking at here is where Moab and Ammon descended from. And they descended from the product of an incestuous relationship between Lot and his two daughters. Notice that the firstborn says to the youngest, Our father is old, and there's not a man in the earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Meaning, like every guppy, every rabbit, and every human being on the face of the earth, we're not able to have children. And the reason for that is because there are no men here within this cave. Now, naturally, we know there were other men and women upon the face of the earth at this time because this account in Genesis chapter 19 leapfrogs between Lot and Abraham. So Abraham was most assuredly out there with his tribe. So the two daughters come up with a brilliant idea. And of course, I'm being sarcastic. They say, we're going to raise up seed to our father, which would be a violation of God's law. But what happens? Verse 33, continuing in chapter 19. And they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also. And go thou in, and lie with him, that we may preserve the seed of our father. Now that is the intent behind the two daughters doing this. They believed that they were doing a good thing, preserving the seed of their father. But yet it is Yahweh God who preserved the seed of Israel, who even planted that seed, being the root and offspring thereof. So what we can say about Lot's daughters is they took matters into their own hands. And every time man does this, it is completely detrimental to us. We destroy ourselves time and time again. So continuing in verse 35. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were born the daughters of Lot, with child by their father. Pay close attention. This is the two daughters of Lot, who lie with their own father, and both became impregnated. 
verse 37. And the firstborn bare a son, and called his name Moab. The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger, she also bare a son, and called his name Ben-Ami. The same is the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. So, hopefully I've provided you a background into at least the creation of these two tribes, Moab and Ammon, and where they came from. Both were the product of Lot's two daughters through incest, meaning that Yahweh God would forbid these two tribes. And truly, the passages dealing with Yahweh cursing Moab and Ammon are too numerous to discuss this Wednesday evening. But safe to say, Scripture is replete with examples of what not to do. And Moab and Ammon are one of them. Remember, thus were born the daughters of Lot with child by their father. The firstborn had a son named Moab, and he is the father of the Moabites. The younger had a son named Ben-Ami, and that is the father of the children of Ammon. So point one, Moab and Ammon were born to Lot's daughters, and their father was their mother's father. Okay? So understanding that, this is why Yahweh God would forever curse Moab, and would forever curse Ammon. But there are specific reasons, and if you remember at the beginning of this evening's study, I briefly touched upon the way of Balaam, or the heir of Balaam. Because Yahweh God is not a vengeful God, seeking whom he can destroy without cause, without reason. And there is a reason why Moab and Ammon are destroyed. Naturally, on its face, the obvious would be that both Moab and Ammon were the product of incest. And Yahweh God forbids incest within his law. In fact, there are several chapters dedicated to it. Breaking down specifically every member of our family that man and woman are not allowed to lie with. Now, it should be common sense that incest is forbidden by Yahweh God. But the Judeo-Christian pastor will come in and tell you that Adam and Eve had intercourse with their own children, and their children had intercourse with their own sisters, etc. Which would be a violation of God, making him a double-minded man. And Yahweh God is not double-minded. He does not change. But there was a time in the book of Judges, and you can turn there this evening to chapter 11, where Israel was done with their 40 years in the wilderness. And they're coming out of the land of Canaan. And Moses has to make a petition to the king of Moab. And what happens? Well, we're going to get to that momentarily. But I'm sure you're well familiar with the story of the wandering in the wilderness. Because it was over 40 years that the disobedient Israelites were cursed to wander within the land. Because Yahweh God became enraged and told them that this generation will never see the promised land. And that is the reason why they had to wander in hardship for 40 years. So that that specific generation of Israelites wouldn't enter into the land of Canaan, as Yahweh God promised. And if you'll turn with me to Judges chapter 11, we can read, beginning in verse 14. 
And Jephthah sent messengers again unto the king of the children of Ammon, and said unto him, Thus saith Jephthah, Israel took not away the land of Moab, nor the land of the children of Ammon. But when Israel came up from Egypt, and walked through the wilderness into the Red Sea, and came to Kadesh, then Israel sent messengers unto the king of Edom, saying, Let me, I pray thee, pass through thy land. But the king of Edom would not hearken thereto. And in like manner they sent unto the king of Moab, but he would not consent. And Israel abode in Kadesh. And so, that right there, if you will, is one specific reason. Israel's wanting to go through this specific land. They send messengers to the king of Edom saying, let me pass through thy land, let me get out of the land. And he says, no, of course, naturally, because Esau, Edom, was our perpetual enemy. In fact, Esau, the father of Edom, was a brother to Jacob, Israel. You know that account. But in like manner, they sent unto the king of Moab, but he wouldn't consent either. And that was the reason why the Israelites of old had to dwell within the land of Kadesh. And they went along through the wilderness and compassed the land of Edom. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with this account. Because ultimately, Yahweh God grants deliverance to the children of Israel against Ammon, against Moab, and against Edom, and allows them to pass safely through the land. But just as Esau was not allowing Jacob to pass through a specific land and brought a curse upon his head, so also does Moab and Ammon. And if you, in your free time, continue reading right here, you'll see what I'm saying is true. The Israelites were granted victory in war against Ammon, and then they set their sights on Moab. But right here should give you a background into why the Bible itself is so replete with numerous examples of Yahweh God holding forever in contempt the tribe of Moab and the tribe of Ammon. Because he chose Israel. And even though he was upset with them, because of the gain thing, of course, well, this is one of the reasons, right here, they would not allow them to pass through the land. But not specifically. There is a specific reason as to why Yahweh God truly loathes Moab. And the answer for that, of course, is found in Numbers chapter 22. Beginning in verse 1. The children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side of Jordan, by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people, because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. So let me set the stage for you. The Israelites are still in their wandering, and they're in the plains of Moab, on this side of the river Jordan, meaning that they are in the land of the Moabites. And there was a king named Balak. He was the son of Zippor. Sound familiar? Well, it should, because we already covered that in Jude, verse 11, and Second Peter Chapter 2, verse 15. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. 
If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church, so that when He returns, you will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. But what does Balak the son of Zippor do? Well, we know he was the king of the Moabites. And for sake of time, I'm going to skip through this. But understand that there is a long exchange between the Israelites, Balak, and Balaam. So, in verse 5 we learn, He, who? Balak, the king of the Moabites, He sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people that have come out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over and against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Stopping right there. I want you to understand, Balak, being the king of Moab, was found guilty by Yahweh God for this act. What act? Hiring Balaam, the soothsayer, to come out and what? Curse this people. That is another reason why Yahweh God holds Moab and Ammon in everlasting contempt, but not the only reason. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with this story. Of course, ultimately, after this long exchange, Balaam does rise up, he saddles his ass, and he goes forth to curse the children of Israel. Why? Because he was hired by the king of Moab, Balak. For example, verse 13, here in chapter 22 of Numbers, Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for Yahweh refuses to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Now I want you to understand that Balaam right here just used the Tetragrammatron or the sacred name, Yahweh, here rendered Lord. Meaning that a false prophet, here in this case Balaam, who is called out by name several times, but most assuredly in the latter New Testament, was not above using the sacred name. What can we denote from this? That a false prophet will, oftentimes, feed you much truth. But it was the king of Moab, Balak, who commissioned, rented Balaam, and there is no new thing under the sun. 
For example, still today in this latter era, we have governments who have their own temple Baal priests. And they'll come out, for example, to the White House or to the United Nations and address the people. But they're not the prophets risen up according to Yahweh's own heart, or they would rebuke those same people. Now, was Balaam evil? Absolutely. In fact, he's called out numerous times. And in the account, as he's going to curse the children of Israel, well, his donkey was able to see an angel of Yahweh God standing in the curvature of the road. Balaam did not, and as a result, jumped off his ass several times and whipped her resulting in the Sunday school story that we all read about, when Balaam's ass begins to address Balaam. So point two is this. The king of Moab was the one who commissioned Balaam, the heir of Balaam and the way of Balaam, that we addressed in Peter's epistle and in Jude's epistle. So, that would be another reason why Yahweh God would forever curse them. It is these acts right here that caused Yahweh God to forever keep Moab and Ammon away from the Israelite people. For example, in the very next book, Deuteronomy chapter 23, you don't need to turn there, but I'll read for you very quickly. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, beginning in verse 3, an Ammonite or Moabite, shall not enter into the congregation of Yahweh. Even unto their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of Yahweh forever. Because they met you not with bread and water in the way when ye came forth out of Egypt. And because they hired against thee Balaam, the son of Beor, of Pethor, of Mesopotamia, to curse thee. Nevertheless, Yahweh thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but Yahweh thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because Yahweh thy God loved thee. So do you understand what's being said right here in this book of case law, Deuteronomy? Yahweh God forever forbid them, at least for ten generations, which is a Hebrewism, meaning forever, from entering into the congregation just like a mamzer, because in reality, they're on the same exact level. Whereas a bastard shall not enter into the congregation of Yahweh God, here, right after we're instructed that in verse 2, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation. So, we can deduct here, in point 3, a Moabite and an Ammonite in the eyes of Yahweh God are equal to a bastard, or the Hebrew mamzer, a mongrel, the offspring of an Israelite father and an heathen mother. Why? Well, I could paraphrase right here and tell you that the biggest pull of the Moabites was by using whores to entrap the Israelites. Now, perhaps you've read about this. This is Israel joining unto Baal Peor. Now, if you know who Baal Peor is, Peor was a resident within the land of Edom. And Baal Peor was Lord of Peor. Or, we could just say, an Edomite God. But it is Yahweh God who forbids Ammon and Moab from ever entering into the congregation. One verse after, we are instructed that a bastard or a mamzer shall never enter in. 
So what can we deduct from that? We can deduct that Yahweh God holds the Moabites and the Ammonites on the same exact level as the forever cursed Mamzer. Now, before we really get to the girth of the study, which is in the book of Zephaniah chapter 2, I want to provide for you two more verses that will really drive home this point. In Hosea chapter 11 verse 1, you know that out of Egypt I called my son. In fact, I've preached on this numerous times. But as Israel is being called out of Egypt, the Moabites withstood him and hired Balaam to go out and curse the Israelites. Why? Because they were too many in number. By this time, and after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, there were many new Israelites added to the company. And so, this is what Balak, the son of Besor, does. Being a Moabite, he goes and he gets Balaam. And Balaam's job, of course, was to come out and say, you know, Yahweh God is going to deliver you, when Yahweh God did not speak. And for all intents and purposes, the children of Israel would be destroyed, going after the way of Balaam. Not all. Yahweh God would turn it into good. But many of the superstitious ancient Israelites would go after the Moabite or the Ammonite Huas. They had their own booths where the prostitutes would come out. They were temple prostitutes. There's no new thing under the sun. To ensnare the Israelites away from Yahweh God into their own false traditions. And just like Solomon, just like anyone else, Yahweh God does not approve of going after foreign gods. It is a violation of the first two commandments. And so here, in the book of Psalms, in the 106th Psalm, we can read, beginning in verse 26. Therefore, he, Yahweh God, lifted up his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their seed also among the nations, and to scatter them in the land. So what are we dealing with? The offspring of the Israelites, their seed Verse 28, here in Psalm 106. They, who the Israelites, joined themselves also unto Baal Peor, and ate of the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions, and the plague break in upon them. Now, I'm sure you're extremely familiar with this, because this is the point where Phineas comes in and delivers the children of Israel. And if you require further study on who Phineas is, I have one study titled, The Phineas Covenant. Because Yahweh God made a covenant with Phineas. And in today's latter era, people would look at the works of Phineas and say, oh, he was a horrible person. But he stayed the plague. And because he stayed the plague, Yahweh God made an everlasting, perpetual covenant with Phineas. And so as a result, today there are numerous Phineas priests that still exist. And the second witness to this fact is found in that book of Hosea. However, this time chapter 9, beginning in verse 8. The watchman of Ephraim was with my God, but the prophet is a snare of a fowler in all his ways, and hatred in the house of his God. They have deeply corrupted themselves, as in the days of Gibeah. Therefore, he will remember their iniquity, he will visit their sins. Verse 10 of Hosea chapter 9, pay close attention. I, Yahweh speaking, found Israel like grapes in the wilderness, 
I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree at her first time. They went unto Baal Peor and separated themselves unto shame, and their abominations were according as they loved. What abominations? Well, I already explained that to you. They would be ensnared by the Moabite or the Ammonite women, who were, for lack of a better term, the product of incest and a polluted bloodline from day one. And they would have their Moabite and their Ammonite whores who would ensnare the men of Israel. Is there anything new under the sun? No, of course not. Because this still exists within the land today. This is why we use the terminology Baal priest or simply a whore because that's exactly what they are. Whores for the system. Whores for political correctness. But these false prophets don't teach the word of God. What is it they teach? The way of Balaam or the heir of Balaam. And that would be why we are instructed, again, in Jude and Second Peter, the second chapter, to withstand the way of Balaam. Because it was the king of Moab who hired Balaam. And even though Lot was spared from Sodom, and his daughters, by extension, they ultimately were not. And we're going to prove that. So, to the main part of tonight's study, please turn with me to the book of Zephaniah, chapter 2. And we're going to hear about the reproach of Moab and the revilings of the children of Ammon. It is here that Yahweh God will pronounce yet another judgment against them. One, for being inbred. Two, for withstanding the children of Israel. Three, for hiring Balaam to curse the children of Israel and to come in and say, Yahweh God has spoken when he had not. And in Zephaniah chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, brand new manuscript. And in your own free time, if you require further study, you can read about this in Isaiah chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. And also Jeremiah chapter 49, the entire chapter, will reference what we're dealing with here. Yahweh speaking a reproach against Moab and Ammon. I have heard the reproach of Moab and the revilings of the children of Ammon, whereby they have reproached my people and magnified themselves against their border. Therefore, as I live, saith Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be as Sodom, and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah. Stopping right there. So, they don't teach you this in Sunday school. If you're lucky, you'll hear the story of Lot and Lot's wife looking back and turning into a pillar of salt. But very few of them will touch upon who Moab and Ammon are. But here, they are instructed that both the descendants of Moab through Lot and his daughter and Ammon through Lot and his other daughter will return right back as Sodom, right back as Gomorrah. So, when we read in Second Peter or we read in Jude that just Lot was spared from Sodom and Gomorrah, even though he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked this is your proof text. Because a man could come in and argue and say, well, it wasn't just Lot. It was his two daughters as well. 
However, here we are told they're right back to where they were in their initial state before Yahweh God even sent the angels. So, therefore, as I liveth, saith Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be as Sodom, and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah, the breeding of nettles and salt pits, and a perpetual desolation. The residue of my people shall spoil them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. This shall they have for their pride, because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of Yahweh of hosts. Now there's one more verse. But understand, this is not to be taken lightly. Because of their pride, because they reproached and magnified themselves, they literally thought they were better than God's chosen people, Israel. What can we deduct from this? That the heathen nations believe this by default. They literally believe that they also are called, that this God of Israel encompasses them when he does not. But here in Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 11, Yahweh will be terrible unto them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and men shall worship him, every one from his place, all the isles of the heathen. So, final point for this particular evening's study, and that is this. Abraham it was who made intercession for his nephew Lot. Lot was spared, and ultimately could have spared his wife and his two daughters. And they were instructed to not look back. Lot's wife did look back, but Lot's daughters did not. And so, as a result, Lot found himself in the side of a cave with his two daughters. And his two daughters made him drunk, and both became pregnant. And they brought in these two abominable tribes, Moab and Ammon. And it was the king of Moab who resisted the Israelites as they came out of Canaan. It was the king of Moab who also hired Balaam to prophesy falsely against the children of Israel and instilled them with false hope. Is this tactic still used today? Well, of course it is. Because we must understand that Moses represents the law of Yahweh God. And we within CI most assuredly teach adherence to the law, do we not? Perhaps this is the reason why in Numbers chapter 31, we can read in verse 15, Moses said unto them, Have ye saved all the women alive? Behold, these caused the children of Israel, through the counsel of Balaam, to commit trespass against Yahweh in the matter of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of Yahweh. Now, therefore... Kill every male among the little ones, and kill every woman that hath known man by lying with him. But all the women children that have not known man by lying with them keep alive for yourselves. And so, here's an account of Moses withstanding Balaam, the false prophet. Not only that, a pronouncement against every temple prostitute who would come out and lie. So do not fall in to the way or the error of Balaam. No Moabite, no Ammonite will stand. They will not be within the kingdom. And seeing that I do not have the time to look into Ruth the Moabitess, perhaps I'll bring a second part to this in the future. But for now, I hope that I provided you at least 
a brief background into the creation and some of the acts of the Moabites and why it is that Yahweh God was so wrathful with them. And so until next time, dear kinsfolk, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia and the Covenant People's Church wishing you and yours great studies. War for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.